Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Previous studies have suggested that eosinophils and IL-6 may be able to predict or identify exacerbation-prone asthma. However, longitudinal data is lacking. To fill this need, a group of researchers conducted a trial to prospectively test for the exacerbation-prone asthma phenotype and utility of baseline blood measures of eosinophils and IL-6 as predictive biomarkers. Today, I'm joined by the lead study author, Dr. Michael Peters, who is an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine and the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Peters. To start, can you tell us more about how your study came about? Sure. So in cross-sectional studies, there's been a pretty solid body of literature that suggests that some patients are exacerbation prone or have higher rates of exacerbations, particularly in severe asthma, compared to another subgroup of patients who's exacerbation resistant. And so one of the first objectives of the study was to try and kind of verify this or prospectively test whether or not an exacerbation prone phenotype actually exists in asthma. And what that means is you can have a lot of exacerbations in one year, but it actually was somewhat unclear whether or not the people who have a lot of exacerbations one year are distinctly the same population of subjects over subsequent years. And so that was the first kind of objective. And using transitional state modeling or some new methods for modeling prospectively, we're able to pretty definitively show that, that, that there are a subgroup of patients, a relatively small subgroup, at least in, in our cohort, that uh, go on to experience exacerbations consistently over multiple years of follow-up. And our study was was done over three years. And so that was the first kind of fundamental thing that we were looking to do. Kind of interesting is that kind of embedded in that is it also demonstrates that even in a severe asthma population, which we were studying, there was also a subgroup of patients who actually didn't have exacerbations uh, prospectively over multiple years. And so that implies that there's other things that we know of that, that, you know, that are keeping their disease kind of ongoing, either it's symptoms or persistently low lung function, um, but they're not actually having exacerbations. They seem to be somewhat exacerbation resistant. The next component of this trial was to prospectively look at two particular biomarkers that we believe to be associated with exacerbations in cross-sectional analysis. One was bloody eosinophils. Uh, in asthma, bloody eosinophils have been a pretty good predictive biomarker of TH2 or type 2 high asthma. That's a you know an allergic asthma component. And there are now four FDA-approved drugs to treat the eosinophil high or type 2 high patients and mainly in preventing exacerbation. So we're interested in kind of seeing how that predicts an entire cohort of, of subjects. And it does turn out that the bloody eosinophils predicted the development of exacerbations prospectively. But equally somewhat interesting is that the, that effect size wasn't actually that large, or at least was relatively inconsistent. The other thing that we were interested in looking at was plasma IL-6. Um, we had previously demonstrated that patients who had IL-6 levels or high plasma IL-6 levels tended to have more exacerbations in a cross-sectional analysis. And this subgroup of patients tends to be obese, 
have metabolic diseases like hypertension and diabetes um, and uh, tended to have somewhat other features of severe disease such as low lung function and increased symptoms. And what we found is that in the prospective data over three years that having high plasma IL-6 levels was actually pretty predictive of having exacerbations prospectively. And importantly, that subgroup of patients that I previously mentioned, the exacerbation prone subgroup, the subgroup that had exacerbations every year of the study was characterized uh, significantly by features of metabolic dysfunction. So high plasma IL-6 levels, a high body mass index, slightly older age, and significantly high comorbidities of hypertension and diabetes. And so that was consistent with our hypothesis that metabolic disease or metabolic dysfunction may predispose a certain subgroup of patients with asthma to develop exacerbations over, over multiple years of follow-up. And so that's what we were kind of interested in at least determining and, and figuring out. So like you said, three-year asthma exacerbation data uh, were analyzed in, a, in 406 patients, adults, in the Severe Asthma Research Program 3, of whom mm -hmm. uh, 83 participants had at least one exacerbation in each year, and 168 participants had no exacerbations in any year. What patient characteristics contributed to a higher risk of exacerbation? Yeah, so the highest risk patients were those who had those features of metabolic dysfunction. So for example, for each one picogram per microliter increase in plasma IL-6, which is, you know, it's a relative scale, you know, zero is basically no IL-6 levels, 10 is, is pretty high. So for each one picogram increase on that scale, your risk of exacerbating or the incident rate ratio of exacerbating increased about 10%. And so, Given that range, you know, a three, per, a three picogram increase would increase your risk about 30% uh, for, for a single exacerbation or the incidence of an exacerbation over three years. So it was, you know, relatively significant. Other features of the disease were or exacerbation prone or, or other things that are associated with metabolic disease, diabetes, hypertension, and, um, and high BMI. And your results also showed that the uninformed probability of an exacerbation in year three was about 40%, but the informed probability increased to 63% with an exacerbation in year two and increased to 82% with an exacerbation in years one and two. The probability of a year three exacerbation with no year one or two exacerbations was 13%. What do these findings mean for clinical practice and how exacerbations should be managed in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So the 40% uninfirmed probability means generally in the cohort of patients we were studying, which was a pretty severe cohort, that in the annual, about 40% of the patients had an exacerbations, just kind of randomly. Um, if you didn't know anything about them outside of the fact that they were in the SARP cohort. But if you knew their exacerbation history just by one year, you significantly increased your ability to distinguish whether or not what the probability was that they would have an exacerbation over subsequent years. And so that one year increased it I was about 40% to about 60%. And actually, if you knew their exacerbation history over two years, that increased probability was, as you said, 82%. So a significant increase in, in the probability that they'd have an exacerbation of the subsequent year. And this means that you could potentially intervene, right? with either medications uh, that prevent exacerbations, if they were eosinophil high, so if they had high eosinophil counts, you would consider 
giving them one of those anti-IL-5 or anti-IL-13 medications. But conversely, what it also suggests is that patient population that we already have established as being associated with metabolic disease could be intervened upon with disease modifiers that, that impact metabolic function, you know, diabetes, hypertension, lifestyle modification, uh, and potentially even an IL-6 antagonist. That provides a kind of a new paradigm for potentially treating the patients that have these, you know, recurrent exacerbations. And then again, on the flip side of that is if someone didn't have an exacerbation over the subsequent prior years, the likelihood that they go on to develop one is actually quite low. So you could be relieved and actually even consider stepping down therapies that are designed to prevent exacerbations with the thinking that, that their likelihood of developing one is significantly lower than you may have, may have perceived in the past. That provides some context and confidence for cl clinicians to treat patients based upon historical data prospectively. So you and your team also evaluated baseline eosinophils and IL-6 as predictive biomarkers, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, what did your results show for these measures? Yeah, so both of these are predictive of exacerbations prospectively. The finding for eosinophils, as I said, is, is not super novel or new. That's been relatively well described that eosinophils are associated with exacerbation risk. The somewhat new finding is that, that plasma IL-6 levels or metabolic dysfunction, it was more or less equal within this population. Having metabolic dysfunction actually put your risk at the same level as, as having high blood eosinophil cell counts. And so that's important because it, um, we have drugs you know, that are well established for treating eosinophil high patients, but the medications that treat the IL-6 high subjects aren't, aren't as clear. Um, we would predispose that you might be able to improve their disease with treatments of metabolic dysfunction, but that, that actually hasn't been proven, and that's a next step of research, is to try and figure out how do we prevent exacerbations in this specific patient subgroup, um, because drugs really don't exist that we know of that help their disease. The other obvious context, just to mention it since we're in the middle of a pandemic, is these same features have now been shown to be associated with obviously COVID infection. Um, this is something we didn't know when we were doing the trial or the study, um, which was long before COVID ever existed. But it's interesting that it came out around the same time that this you know, association has now been appreciated in other viral illnesses such as COVID. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's uh, and it'll be interesting to see your subsequent studies and see what kind of treatment options there are for people like that. No, this is a pretty new and exciting area of research that we've been working on for a while, but it just turns out that it's now become much more hot and relevant in the world of, of respiratory illnesses because of the obvious associations with COVID and metabolic dysfunction. Yeah, for sure. Overall, your analysis confirms an exacerbation-prone asthma phenotype characterized by features of metabolic dysfunction. How might clinicians use this information to better care for their patients with asthma? Yeah, I mean, I think most clinicians, or I should say most pulmonologists are well aware of the fact that metabolic disease causes, you know, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, um, associations with depression, neurovascular illnesses. But the thing that's been relatively, I think, underappreciated is that it causes lung diseases, and particularly as leads to, as we demonstrated, increased risk of, of viral-induced or exacerbations in asthma. And so clinicians should, and pulmonologists are going to need to start paying attention a little bit more to the overall health of their patients and potentially intervening to prevent, you know, these 
these downstream consequences. So better glucose control, better blood pressure control, generally better lifestyle modifications. And the, the thinking here, which is also important, is that it wasn't simply a BMI effect and that we controlled for body mass index in our, in our analysis. So usually pulmonologists uh, a lot of times will say lose weight um, or get your BMI lower. And that's a pretty hard thing to do. You know, the, the data to, for interventions to lose weight are, are difficult. But actually, the interventions in regards to improving metabolic disease are, are significantly easier. You know, we have drugs that treat hypertension. We have pretty well-established lifestyle modifications that do uh, decrease systemic inflammation and uh, enable patients to, to, to get on a better scale in regards to metabolic diseases. And so um, it's a cognizant of pulmonologists now to be aware of this and to potentially treat their patients accordingly. Great. Thank you again for speaking with me today and answering all my questions. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. That's been great chatting with you and have a good day.